async is huge. It's it's a huge shift also in in how we think about um, what we will do next, right? Instead of calling someone or inviting someone to a meeting to discuss something, you're doing something completely opposite. You're writing a, a memo, uh, you're writing a message, or you're recording a, a, a Loom message, and you're sending this out. You're you really need to think what you need. You really need to think if this is urgent. 90% of the things are not urgent, <laughs> but if, 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 if you don't ask yourself this question, you will keep interrupting people and then it impacts productivity and then it impacts the revenues of your company. And then like, this is a vicious circle, right? Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshavsky, and welcome to another episode of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from remote work experts, digital nomads, and location-independent entrepreneurs so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Ivo Zapar, the founder and CEO of RemoteHow, the world's leading marketplace for remote and hybrid work experts, and the co-founder of the Remote First Institute. Since 2017, Evo has advised over 600 companies, including Walmart, ING Bank, and Microsoft, to help them optimize their distributed workforce. He's also the author of Remote Work is the Way, a guide to making the most out of our office optional future. And Evo has been featured in publications like Forbes, BBC, and Business Insider. Two things before we jump into the interview. Number one, make sure you subscribe to my newsletter, Remote Insider, where every Monday I share the most important developments in the areas of remote work, online business tech, and the digital nomad lifestyle. It has been called mandatory reading by other subscribers. And if you enjoy this podcast, I guarantee you will also love being a Remote Insider subscriber. You can subscribe to that at thatremotelife.com forward slash remote insider, all one word. And number two, I would personally like to invite you to join our TRL listener Slack channel, which you can find at thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. In the Slack channel, you'll be able to have direct contact with me, meet other listeners of this show passionate about the future of work, the digital nomad lifestyle, and entrepreneurship. And we will be putting together events and Q&As with some of our biggest podcast guests to dive in even deeper with them. Access to the Slack channel is completely free. And again, that link is thatremotelife.com forward slash Slack. Finally, if you haven't left a review of the show already, please consider leaving one wherever you listen to podcasts, and I would greatly appreciate that. To make it easier for you, uh, you can just head on over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL and leave your review there. But all right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Evo Zapar. All right, Evo, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to finally have you here. How are you doing? Great to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, I'm so happy that we finally got to connect. This is going to be, it's Evo and Mitko. This is like the the craziest <laughs> names on a podcast ever. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to have you here. Before we hit record, we were talking about Portugal. And uh, so first of all, you're the founder of Remote How, uh, one of the first marketplaces for remote uh, experts. And now you're the founder of 
the Remote First Institute. So we're going to talk all about remote work, all about the future of work and, and how you got started in that. But first, I wanted to ask you, because I think this is a, a very interesting topic that people are sort of having to contemplate now post-COVID is, you know, before you have to be very close to large cities for for work opportunities, right? And then now people are able to to move further out of town, go into villages or even further suburbs. Obviously, what Gonzalo has done in Portugal with the digital nomad village, right? Like that idea is one that's catching on quite a quite a bit of popularity. So you said that you're considering moving out to like a village. How do you like how do you think about that? Why how are you going how do you plan on balancing that with sort of the the big community and opportunities that are still happening in in a city? Just how do you think about that like moving out to 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 the villages as a remote worker? Yeah. So I think this is um, something that you need to experience yourself. Let's say that you live your whole life in the city and then it's like a question, okay, maybe maybe I want to try something different. And for us, it happened two, two years ago when we moved to Vietnam uh, and then we lived there for one and a half year. And, and we lived in the middle of nowhere uh, next to Hoi An, which is like a small city. And so we experienced this uh, uh, living in a, community there are expats there are remote workers but mainly local community and it's not a big city uh, etc right so uh, there was a moment when we started to think like hey maybe this is cool if the life is slow <laughs> and it's, so it's not led at the fast pace in new york or london or whatever right um but then of course uh, there were people we have been having this conversations with, with a lot of folks there and then for some of them were like ah it's boring there's not so much stuff happening and such and such so i would say that if someone that is listening to us um, um is asking themselves like hey maybe this is for me maybe i would love to move somewhere um else just try it uh, because there is no perfect perfect answer. Maybe it will be a week and you'll be like, I'm done, I'm coming back. Or you'll be like, oh, this is amazing. And and the concept that you that you mentioned that the the the, the village of remote workers, slow mats, because I, I love the term slow mats. So it's about slowly traveling or like moving to some other place and and and, and slowly living. Uh, this is a utopia slash it's kind of starting to to to, to happen uh, at, the, at the super um, a small scale um but if we all uh, as as humans can agree to one thing I, I think it would be that we love spending time with people that we like it's super simple uh but at the end of the day this is what 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 really resonates with uh, with all of us most of us right so if you can live in a place where you have like-minded people that you like and that's become a commune and then you uh and, and you completely change the current lifestyle i think this is super appealing um but also at the same time it doesn't need to be your only place where you live you can still travel or you can be part of a couple of villages in different parts of uh, of, of the world right. um so yeah it's a super interesting concept i'm a, I'm a huge fan uh, gonzalo used to work for us a couple of years ago at, at remote how i'm a big supporter of uh, of uh, of their project and i think uh, there will be more and more uh, stuff coming up like this especially as countries try to lure um the remote workers and also tried to find a way how these remote workers can give back to the lo to local communities because it's not just about 
coming and then putting your laptop and then drinking coffee at like more and more projects are doing this. They're actually getting involved in local communities, helping them, uh, um, upskilling them at such and such. So I think it's also a very interesting concept, um, not just for remote workers, but also for the people uh, that will, that are they're living there uh, right now. Yeah, I've been uh, contemplating this idea recently of a, this is going to sound so nerdy. Uh, we're about to, half of our listeners are about to stop listening. They're going to turn it <laughs> off and go somewhere else. But I've been playing with this idea of a village as a service, uh -huh. right? Because like you want to go somewhere, but what if you could pay monthly? Like you have uh -huh. a monthly fee and there's like a, a, like a network of villages around the world that you're paying a monthly fee and you Sign know that me I can up. go from village to oh. village to village. Sign me up or we do it together. <laughs> Look at that! It was it was born on the, on the podcast. I love yeah. it. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm 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 totally sold. And and um, I think this is of course in a in a in a different uh, in a different setup. But Selena is trying to go in this in into this direction with their subscription model. Um, Outsides has also subscriptions. So both Selena um, and and Outside are are co living spaces uh, in different parts of the world. Um, and the logic here is that you have uh, one one subscription and you can visit different places. But um, if we're talking about such villages, I think like 100% there is a product market fit. 100% there are people that would pay for it. Um, the question is um, like, how do you make it uh, scalable if we're talking about the startup hyper growth business etc or you're just doing this for fun as like a passion business which i would be yeah uh, be, be more up for uh but yeah totally totally cool idea and and you can do so many cool things in the village um oh my god i'm i'm already thinking what what wh when it will so, happen <laughs> the so here's my you know, this is kind of like a problem that the digital nomad community created. And I'm saying that as somebody who identifies as a part of that community, which is um, I was just talking with my friend Dan Andrews from the Tropical MBA podcast. And, you know, I talk about like a digital nomad OG. Right. And one of the things that they talked about was uh, back in the day, I remember hearing stories about their their Bali villa. And the idea there was they were, you know, there were not very many digital nomads even fewer that were like successful entrepreneurs. And so what they would do is they would rent this baller villa in Bali for like a thousand dollars a month or whatever it would be with like eight bedrooms. And then they would say, Hey, if you're an entrepreneur and you can come over here and sustain yourself and pay for the ticket, you have a room like show up. And yep. I think that that's over. Like, I think that that's over because this idea of the aggressive geo arbitrage, I feel like is, is kind of dead because those places have caught up, right? Like rent isn't that cheap in Bali anymore. It's not that cheap in Portugal. It's these places that used to be these meccas, even yep. Mexico, right? It's just not as cheap anymore. And so the 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 issue with the I think with Selena and outside and anything in this in this field is a lot of the people who would use it who are its first you know, adopters are the people yeah. who are looking for the geo arbitrage and it's those places are expensive, you know, like it's genuinely more expensive than like paying a mortgage or paying rent or whatever it may be. True. How do you solve that? 
Yeah, true. But looking at uh, let's let's take Selena as an example. Um, and I'm not saying that they're doing a good job in this, but but I think feel like they're one of their selling points is is a community. So yes, they have cool spaces. Yes, it's design nice. Yes, it's in nice locations. But they're trying to sell you or outside that. You're coming in a place where you have like-minded people. They are either traveling or or they're working there for 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 a longer period of time. So it's not a random hotel, hostel, or Airbnb where you need to right. find friends. Potential friends are there, right? Um, so that would be like my take on 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 why this will keep growing. I'm not saying that this is easy to build um w w when it comes to the, the community aspect um yeah when it when it comes to the 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 the, the, uh, the approach that you're trying to find places where you can live cheap while getting a us based salary or like a european salary again i feel like there're still so many places where you can do it like the question is if if the infrastructure is there um vietnam uh, will be is not yet it will be a booming place for co-livings it's it's already a, a great place for tourists or or remote workers uh there are co-working spaces but co-livings are, are are not the case and again millions of other places where where, where you don't even need to build a co-living you can just turn a guest house or, or a villa into a co-living right this just depends on what is the motivation is is it for digital nomads who try to save or is it for people that can afford certain uh, certain budget and they're coming for experience for community um, or to do something good in the, in the, in the, um, in uh, for the for the local community so really different people have different um, different uh, motivations here but what what is a really interesting group uh, that not many people are thinking about are families, uh, because most digital nomads uh, are where people who are single or maybe who are couples, but the the, the children aspect is 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 not very common. Um, but at the same time, young parents would love to travel or would love to have the opportunity to, to keep traveling or, or, or changing places. Um, so this is kind of like another um, interesting um, niche or maybe even bigger than, uh, than the niche um, that, uh, that will change also the way how, how families uh, <laughs> operate simply. Yeah, families is something where I actually have a friend who's working on a, on a project uh, in Costa Rica uh, about that. And so I'm very curious. I'm paying attention to it because I don't, you know, uh, we don't have kids or anything like that, but they do. And I'm kind of looking at how they're developing that because I do think it's really interesting. I'm curious, have you ever heard of, uh, we're going deep on this topic that I didn't think we would, <laughs> but I think it's very interesting. So I'm, I'm excited to talk with you about it. But uh, have you ever heard of Tynan before? Uh, Tynan? Tynan, T-Y-N-A-N. So Tynan is this uh, very interesting character. He's been on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. But what he has done with a bunch of his friends is essentially he finds really cool properties and uh -huh. then sources the funds for it from his like friend group. And then they co-purchase these properties. And now they uh -huh. own properties in like um, – they have an apartment in Budapest, an apartment in Tokyo, a house in Hawaii – 
They have uh, uh, they own an island off the coast of Canada that they're like building like buildings what? on and this kind of stuff. And I actually think that is going to be the future for people who want to be long term nomadic because. It's this really cool idea of, okay, you started out as a digital nomad. You had to be cheap. You were living in, you know, like whatever it had to be. Yeah. But then as you like level up, you form little groups, little pods with like 10 of your friends that are, have also been successful. Oh, And yes. then you buy, you know, properties in 10 countries that you like. And you sort of like, okay, you're going to our property in, in Bangkok this week. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be in our property in, you know, Budapest for the next month. And yeah. you sort of collaborate yeah. that way. Uh, right my alley. This is something that we're discussing with our uh, group of uh, closest friends since high school, basically every year since two or three years, because we, we have this uh, uh, tradition of going together for New Year's Eve in mountains for a week. And this is this is the biggest topic each year, <laughs> uh, basically to, to, to buy a place together in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a nice place like either um near the beach or like in mountains there are different concepts but um what from what you're saying and when i'm looking at this at the interesting uh, f f um, phrase here is a fractional ownership uh where basically yeah. okay there is a house normally it costs let's say one million dollars so just to, to make it easier um and then there are 10 people who chip in so if you want to buy a house million dollars sounds a lot, but then maybe a tenth of it sounds um, more reasonable, right? Um, and then from the commercial side, if you look at this, if, if you would like to if you would like to just join an existing community, there are already platforms that, uh, uh, that does it. So you can buy, uh, I think most common setup, especially in the US, it's one eighth. Um, and for each uh, property, they set up uh, LLC. And then you get shares in this LLC. You have, um, yep. I think, on average, like 40 or 50 days uh, a year that you can use this house. But this is the commercial aspect, uh, like the commercial take on this. And what you're saying and what, um, what your friend is doing and also what we're discussing with our friends, this is actually a place where we come together, uh, where we are hanging out. We, our families, mm -hmm. pets, uh, whoever, right? Um, and, and this is our, our, our gateway. And, and, and I think it's an amazing concept. Um, I think it, it's, uh, again, product market fit is there. There are people that would pay. You just need to execute it well. Um, so big, big believer in this. There's, of course, this aspect of uh, um, maybe we'll argue about something and then there will be a fight and then we will <laughs> break up as, as a group. Like, for instance, with these group of people, um, like that our friends from high school, like we know each other for 15 years or, or some even more, right? So like we can be very direct with each other, um, but still there's this uh, this tiny risk. But overall as a concept, it's like super, super appealing, especially to people who can work remotely. They maybe not necessarily want to move somewhere permanently, but going for yeah. two weeks somewhere or for a month somewhere else is like a perfect, a perfect way to, um, to 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 their everyday routine. So yeah, love that love the concept. A second startup that we should start. <laughs> so we have there villages and we have I... fractional owner. We can combine it somehow. So it's just one. Yes, project. you can do fractional ownership <laughs> of villages, and then it's, Bingo. it's just you know. Bingo. To, to Let's just moon, record it. Uh, send it to some VC. Perfect. And just... We're actually not gonna publish this. We're not gonna publish <laughs> this. We're just gonna send it to VCs. Yeah, yeah. So. 
I wanted to ask you about how you started with remote work because you started quite early on. So, and I mean, when I say early on, I think anything pre 2020 was, was early on. Um, I actually had a friend who's told me, uh, I, I thought this was funny. He said, you know, you're an OG if you use Skype before you use zoom for calls for work. Yep. And I was like, Oh, yep. that's actually an interesting <laughs> little thing there. What made you, what made you get interested in, in remote work? Like what made you decide that this was something you wanted to invest sort of your career and your future in? Yeah. So, um, it all started in 2017, uh, when we moved to us. Um, but I first my first remote work, um, encounter was in 2011. Uh, when I had an internship and, and they told me that we can work from whatever. And actually we've been using Skype <laughs> and it was horrible. Uh, when, yeah, I, yeah, when, I, when I now think about it, it like, was well, horrible. What's your username? You know, you gotta, <laughs> I need to add you as a friend and it's, it's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the quality. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But that was fun. Mm. In 2017, we moved to Austin, uh, and and that was the moment when when I realized that there's this, this huge shift happening, and that was the reason why I started looking to remote work from from like a more um, uh, where we can combine our dreams, like my wife and I, to like travel more, uh, and and also combine it with uh, with work. So. An interesting thing in 2017 um, that we noticed. So on one side, um, we had a bunch of millennials in, in our office uh, and everyone was like, oh, it will be super cool to travel and work, etc." Okay, it was the one thing. Okay, obvious, everyone wants that, but how you can make this a reality. Then on the, on the other hand, I came across this uh, report by Airbnb that people value experience over possession. They prefer they prefer to experience something, go somewhere, see something, rather than buy buy a new thing. And that was again something that totally resonated um, resonated with with us as well. And then on the other side, from the business perspective, um, I had a really hard time to find people uh, to, to work on my team because the talent shortage like was real, is real. Um, so I started to ask a question: Maybe if these people are not in Austin, maybe they are somewhere else, but we cannot hire them because we are not hiring people remotely, right? For back in the days for the company that, that I used to work for. Um, so maybe we can do something about it. So uh, I had like over 40 calls uh, with different HR people, C-levels and asking them, hey, so there's this business problem around like hiring. And then there's this business problem around people expectations that could impact talent uh, retention or like talent attraction. If you're talking about um, new um, uh, new hires, maybe remote work is the answer, right? And and then of course, uh, most answers were like, no, we we don't think it is. We don't trust, we, we don't know, blah, 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 right? But once you Cross this like mindset barrier, uh, then it was like, like okay, how we are actually going to make this work? And that was that the foundation when we realized that the world needs know-how, the world needs remote know-how. So that's why remote how. Um, and we uh, launched uh, first. Uh, firstly, we we launched the virtual summit. Then we launched the academy with first certification in the world for uh, distributed teams. We invited experts. Uh, our good friend Chase uh, but, uh, from Duis was was one of them, and and guys from and people from like GitLab and and Envision and Buffer and such, and started to to bring this knowledge together. And then from there, we we we, we kept on kept on going and, and helping companies uh, make remote work work. But from the day one, uh, the mission was to give people a freedom of choice. 
where, how, and when they work, right? Um, in 2020, in all the arguments of companies that were saying, no, it won't work, it's not possible, we'll not do it. Okay, they were over, over-ish, because right now that the office lobby tries to uh, tries to go back uh, back in time, which won't, won't happen. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was a very interesting uh, take uh, back in the days that it's already happening. Like the niche was super super tiny of companies that were that were working remotely, right? Uh, you had these lists of uh, companies hiring remotely, and those are like. 100 companies then like 400 companies like nothing right but still on the other side employees were craving and like when when you were posting a remote jobs you were getting like thousands of applications right um and it didn't change um what's uh, what also didn't change is unfortunately for most companies they're still operating in this uh in this office environment um vibe um so yeah but that's a topic for uh, for for later. So yeah, that was kind of like our um, our founding story that uh, we wanted to enable people to 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 find uh, happiness to to really do to, to really build their lives how they how they want. It doesn't mean that you need to travel, right? Because this is actually like the the, the minority that would like to be digital nomads, nomads. Like most people just want to have the flexibility. I don't need to go to uh, the office tomorrow. Um, I will work from home. I will spend more time with kids, play with my dog, go for a walk, do yoga in the morning, whatever. Right? So there, there are millions of, of, of different reasons. And, and, and I think it's, it's amazing if we can actually enable people to do it by helping companies adjust because it needs to come uh, hand in hand. Yeah, I always I always say that what remote work does is it allows you to live or it allows you to like a lot of people live to work, right? Like yeah. everything is based around where you work. Where you live is based on if you're working at a company uh in that city. While what remote work allows you to do is to fit that work around your life. So your life is a central part and then the and then the work is the bit that kind of attaches to it and you fit it in. Yeah. And I, and once people the reason why people crave it so much is that once you get a taste of it and you and people don't even have to like rationalize that switch but they feel it. They yep. taste it. And it's game over. Like you're not going back afterwards when you realize that you can be home when your kids come home from school or you can get up and take a walk with your you know what it's like it's a complete shift and it's a, and it's a total game changer. The issue is and I'm curious to to hear from your point of view on this is I think there's a lot of resistance. So obviously one part of that resistance is companies that in my opinion saw remote work as a means to an end during COVID. And so they never established the proper procedure to make remote work successful. And so we're hearing from these companies that are saying like, Oh, remote work doesn't work. And I'm like, yeah, well you're still, you're doing, you know, a five hour zoom call. Of course, remote <laughs> work doesn't work. Like that sounds like hell. Right. But on the other hand, I also think we, are seeing, and this is something that I learned very recently. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's a recruiter for a big company here in town. And um, we're getting pushback from the cities because here's what he told me. They're trying to hire a developer for one of their big clients, a, a very big company here in, in the city. 
and the company is requiring that they be in the office. And my friend said, I cannot find a developer who like, I cannot fill this job. And so they went to their client and said, listen, like there's, there's no developer. I cannot find a single person who is willing to come into the office. Can, can this be remote? And what the company, their client told them was no, because the city is giving us a tax break for bringing people back into the offices because they're afraid of what's going to happen to the city. And so I think there's these like two big issues right now that we as a community have to tackle. And this is why we're getting so much pushback because there, you know, no one is kind of, no one stopped and tried to figure out, okay, if this is the future, how do we move forward with that? How do you, what do you think about that? Uh, So uh, we, we need to acknowledge that this is the largest shift in how we work basically since 19th, 19th century, right? And uh, for the last two and a half years, majority of companies, like you said, haven't done either anything or much in prepping for that. And of course, there were the ones that realized, okay, this is the future. We care about our employees. We also know that this will bring business value because we'll be able to, uh, to your point, hire from anywhere. Um, our workforce will be more diverse, will be more inclusive, and the list goes on and on, right? Mm. But because this is such a green field and, and, and we, we are figuring uh, out uh, things as we go, there will be a lot of pain. There will be a lot of blood uh, and, and we need to be ready for this, right? Not every company is a GitLab or Doist or, or Buffer or whoever else that was doing this for years and, and really figured uh, this out, right? The second thing uh, which I think is important is that it's really about, at the end of the day, happiness. Uh, I know it sounds cheesy, but if we look at the, um, a lot of surveys reports asking for like, what, what are your expectations? What are the perks that you're looking for? Like, what, what would be that, that, that the work setup that, that you're looking for? Flexibility, remote work, however you want to call it, is always in the top three, top two, et cetera, right? So moving forward, because so many people tried it, they would expect to have it. And here one, uh, one, um, one point that it's also fine to work from office if you want, right? There are people that love offices. They love going there, hanging out yeah, with others. It's, to- it's totally fine, right? It's about having a choice and as a company um, setting everything up that it, no- it doesn't matter where you are. It's, it's really about the outcome. And then the office changes its, um, its purpose. It's about um, team building events. It's about some giant brainstorming sessions. It's about different things, not necessarily going, putting your laptop and, and just like working, right? You can do it. You can do it anywhere, yeah. right? Mm, so when, when you mentioned government, that city, you mentioned the company, and then you mentioned that a service provider that there is delivering uh, certain services for the company, in this case, recruitment. There are more and more parties involved in this uh, complex um, equation. Um, and uh, right now, one thing is certain. We are not going back to February 2020, how it was set up. No, it's like a giant disruption, right? And now it's the question, how all of these parties that are a part of this equation will will figure out their new place there, right? And for example, about cities, 
Um, there were cities already before uh, before pandemic that were trying to attract remote workers, um, like Tulsa was was for example one of them, right? Paying people 10k um, to just to move in. So creativity, new solutions, but for sure not trying to uh, to go back to uh, going back um, in in time. And maybe last thing, it's a process. Um, we won't get. Uh, we won't figure out everything at once. Uh, we'll make mistakes. We need to be ready for this. Um, but the future is exciting and scary at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think what you mentioned there about the fact that people there's some people that still want to go to the office, and I think that's perfectly fine as well, right? Like it's all about, like you said, happiness. Like what makes yeah. you the happiest? How do you want to work? I think one of one of the really key things that a lot of companies haven't learned yet is that what you need to be is asynchronous first. And yep. then if people want to go to the office, then that's perfectly fine. Right. It's but you can't be office first and have remote employees. It just doesn't work in the long term, right? But if you're asynchronous first, then you can have then you can have people in the office or or, or whatever yeah. it may be. And, and I think that, that that very specific shift is the one that a lot of um, companies still need to make and they're resisting about. One, you, has that been your experience from your point of view? Yes, 100%. Uh, moving from a very synchronous work, uh, which was happening in the office, you're um, talking with someone in real time, you're calling, you're just walking to someone's desks, etc., etc., is a complete opposite of asynchronous work uh, that uh, companies that that were remote friendly uh, were preaching be before pandemic. And because this um, touches on so many aspects uh, of how your day-to-day -day work looks like and, and how the company operates in general, this is a pure change management process, right? So the company is to be like, okay, we are embracing the change. And we are, for instance, hiring a head of remote. Um, we are giving the budget. We are giving the um, the power to make decisions. We're giving the power to coordinate leadership development. We are, we are giving the power to build knowledge management. We are giving the power to build processes around how we communicate. We are giving the, the power to, to establish certain uh, tools that support that. And the list goes on and on, right? Um, but it's in, intentional, right? It's both intentional from the company side um, but it's also intentional from team leaders side, right? And async is huge. It's it's a huge shift also in in how we think about um, what we will do next, right? Instead of calling someone or inviting someone to a meeting to discuss something, you're doing something completely opposite. You're writing a, a memo, uh, you're writing a message, or you're recording a, a, a Loom message, and you're sending this out. You're you really need to think what you need. You really need to think if this is urgent. 90% of the things are not urgent, <laughs> but it, 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 if, if you don't ask yourself this question, you will keep interrupting people and then it impacts productivity and then it impacts the revenues of your company. And then like, this is a vicious circle, right? So async work, where communication is, is, is just a part of this is huge. But as a result, we have more productive people because they are not interrupted all the time. We have less meetings to a point of five hour, hour Zoom, right? Um, 
we have people who are, are who are, are taught to um, build more thoughtful messages um, to really think what they need from whom. Maybe you don't need to add 20 people on CC. Maybe you don't need to do add channel uh, to everyone, right? So at the end of the day, async or just in general shift to remote, it's about relearning how we are working. Because a lot of the stuff, it's just the principles that we should be following anyway, right? Um, and and this is what companies that that were doing this for years were 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 mastering. They were they were becoming masters in efficient work, but also having in mind that it's about keeping people happy, engaged, because that builds culture, that uh, positively impacts your your talent retention, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there are multiple components that that come into place. And async is, is is absolutely one of the one of the crucial ones. I my my, my favorite story um, from uh, around async comms and and uh, and not having meetings comes from Duis. Uh, Chase once told me that there there was a, a software engineer that they've never seen in their life. He was just working for them 100% async. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> That's so cool. Of course, this is an edge case scenario, right? Like uh, Dewis is, is the master of, uh, of async. I remember uh, when, we, when we did the first deal uh, with, with Dewis for, uh, for a sponsorship like four years ago or so, uh, it, was, it was 100% async. I've never had a call with Chase, right? We exchanged like 10 emails. He asked me a bunch of questions with like that. And then he was like, okay, we are up for it. <laughs> Where can I pay, right? I was like, whoa, he never seen me, right? It's, it's insane, right? And then we met a couple months later on a call on, on a, some, some totally different topic, right? So you can do it, but it's totally different. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy that, I mean, Chase is like one of my very good friends now, uh, and we've never met in person. Like, we've, yeah. and it's funny because I, like, I've connected him with friends of mine who he's met up with because they were like in the same location, but I've, like, we've yeah. never met in person. And the really funny thing that happens with that is you know each other through a Zoom screen, right? But you don't yeah. get that, like, that physical presence. And so there's always a thing of like, wow, you're way taller than I thought you were. And like, that's a like realization <laughs> that happens when you like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I finally, think, I think what's I'm really finally exciting... meeting Chase uh, next week. Yes. We're speaking at the same conference in Berlin. So after four years oh, there you go. <laughs> of a virtual friendship, there you it, go. Will, it will happen. <sighs> and it's funny because, you know, for all of the, for like every company that's resisting, what I find really exciting is that for every company or city that's resisting, there's like a stronger opposition on the other end, right? Like you have companies like Duist and GitLab and Buffer and all these other companies that we're not yeah. mentioning that are really driving the force on that. And then in terms of the cities, you know, there are cities that are saying that are kind of like resisting, but then you have cities like Tulsa that are like literally rewriting the book yeah. on how to bring in new people into the city. There's, I don't know if you've heard of this um, program before. It's called Make My Move. Have you ever heard of them before? Mm-hmm. So they are, um, I had Evan, one of the co-founders on, on the podcast, and they're an incredible marketplace where they're allowing towns and cities across America, and actually they want to be global, to actually advertise themselves to remote workers to move mm. there. So they help the cities put together programs, and they it's literally a marketplace. It's like going to shop on Amazon, and you say, <laughs> oh, this city sounds cool, and you like move there. And I think that that's so exciting in seeing the towns and cities that are listed on there that have thought about this and have put together programs. 
it's not the cities that you would think, right? Which is so exciting yeah. because you're seeing you're seeing uh, uh, that happening. I want to ask, you know, there's a lot of people listening, many people who are very entrepreneurial, who are very passionate about this space. We have a lot of people listening who want to know how to navigate this future of work better. So what I ask you is from your vantage point, where are the opportunities? What can people be working on? What should they be preparing for? In terms of building new businesses or I think prepping both. their existing I think in business. terms mm -hmm. of I think in terms of possibly building new businesses, what sort of opportunities or issues are you seeing? But then also if there's somebody who's listening who is like, I want a job, how can they better prepare for those opportunities in terms of employment? Mm -hmm. So in terms of employment, um, what works best if, if we're talking about getting a remote job are referrals and your own network. Like I know it's a, it's an obvious answer, but this is what we've seen before pandemic when there were like thousands of applicants for just one, uh, one job posting. Uh, so it was best to, um, to really go to your network and then find certain connections. So that's kind of like one thing. So how you can build a network, uh, you simply need to invest time in uh, building your personal brand. Mm, and that means um, spending time on creating content, spending time on LinkedIn or Twitter, on any other media where, where your audience, uh, when your audience is. Mm, because if you think about the future of work uh, from, the, from the employee perspective, it's, no, it's not about full-time jobs. Um, looking at yes. uh, millennials' expectations, looking at Gen Z's expectations, um, there will be more and more freelancers. There will be more and more consultants. There will be more and more people who would like to work on a project uh, for three months and then for two months do nothing, right? Or do nothing, meaning like I don't know, do some passion projects, for example, right? So I would, I would, and and this like this what I mentioned earlier, like the net, the network, the the the, the personal branding, um, would help you in both, right? It it would both help you to establish the, um your brand as an expert in a certain space or maybe a, a junior about it that's just showcasing yeah. their, their their projects that they've done volunteering jobs whatever right um so that would be my my strong recommendation to to build a habit uh to to, to invest time regularly in, in in building your your personal personal brand have you have you read have you ever heard of the the paper uh the nature of the firm by ronald coase mm-hmm yeah, so I think that is completely playing out right now. And I've talked about this yep. on the podcast before yep. where the transaction cost of working with outside talent is yep. dropping so quickly that companies want to stay small. And so that I think is I'm so I'm so happy that you brought that up because I think that's one of the most important shifts of work. It's not just remote work. It's this fractionalization of jobs uh, that that's very exciting and that I think a lot of people need to prepare for in terms of employment. Yep. And, and, and if you look at uh, one of the biggest uh, things around remote work, which is uh, outcome-based work. So we're not looking at time. We're looking at the product that you deliver. Um, that's exactly tied to this. So we're doing our best to productize work because both for employer, it's amazing because they know exactly what they will get. 
let's take an example, like you will get an SEO audit or you will get a sales deck with 15 slides or you will get uh, email templates for what, and the list, or you will get an analysis of this spreadsheet, right? Um, so it's, it's very good for the company because it also helps the company articulate what they want they're building better briefs, they're building better timelines, et cetera. And then on the other side for the employee, it's no longer about the time or employee, let's say the contributor, right? It's no longer about the time. They're agreeing, I will deliver A for the price of B in the timeline of C. And this is a win-win for both, right? Mm, so that would be, uh, that would be, that would be this, this approach. And actually this is exactly connected with um, um, with the other side to, to, to your question about entrepreneurs or like people who would like to build something, um, the term here that I would explore is called the productized services. Um, and it's really hard to productize services just in general. Uh, this is not a new term. Mm, we are exploring this right now with Remote How for over a year. We, we have productized services on our marketplace. Um, uh, both from the virtual training side as well as micro consulting, micro consulting around building playbooks for companies, and on the training side with like workshops, webinars, and educational programs, right? And 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 it's not easy. But in most cases, why it's not easy is because uh, your clients are not educated in how to work in this setup. They are used to work on hourly basis, etc., etc., right? So th that's why that the two parts needs to be needs to be educated. And so that's kind of like maybe one inspiration. Um, absolutely to our earlier point around co-living and location independence. I think this is a humongous market around like offering certain uh, products and, and services for uh, for this for this crowd. Um, and then looking at uh, local communities, how you can build um, a different uh, different marketplaces. They're connecting the people. They're moving there with with locals, and and then again building certain um, economies um, around uh, around that. Um, maybe also one point where I would not go um, in 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 a certain direction are virtual offices. Uh, we've seen a lot of platforms in, when, since pandemic hit that we're trying to build an alternative to, to Zoom, but this is a virtual office for hybrid teams, et cetera. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to compete with, with Microsoft and, and with Zoom and with Slack. Uh, so uh, that would be just my, my one um, suggestion uh, not to go into, into virtual um, offices. Um, yeah, maybe last but not least, Mm, there is still a disruption around um, the, the, to be happening, and, and I think Cody is doing this around uh, co-working um, and, and 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 office spaces. So the flexibility, building, uh, enabling companies to to be more flexible uh, with with offices, I think is is, is also interesting. Yeah.